0: Let me start with a friendly warning. We are going deep in this episode. If you think of our bodies as vehicles, today we are talking about the nature of those vehicles and the manual that comes with each vehicle, which most people have never read and don't know how to read. We are talking about the driver of our vehicles, and we are not the drivers. We are talking about how you've likely been making decisions from the worst tool possible all your life. And finally, we are talking about where we fall into all of this, who are you, and just how many yous are there. Ready to dive deep? Then strap in and let's begin! This is the Heart Health Joy Podcast, inspiration, tips and tools to find your purpose, live in health, and experience all the joy that life has to offer. I'm your host, Anna, and I invite you on this journey on personal growth and fulfillment. In the last episode, I gave you a little peek at the world of human design. I've talked briefly about how I got here and why I believe it is important. In this episode, I would like to talk about three important human design concepts, neutrinos, the magnetic monopole, and the observer. The amount of information available through human design is incredible, and it can be overwhelming. As I said in the last episode, it's like learning a new language. So, I would like to take a slow pace so you can assimilate the new terminology and concepts. To summarize some of what we've already discussed, human design is a unique system that combines principles of astrology, the I Ching, Kabbalah, chakras, genetics, and quantum physics to provide individuals with a personalized blueprint that helps them understand their own nature and make decisions in alignment with their true selves. It is based on the idea that each person has a unique energetic blueprint, which is determined by the exact time, date, and place of their birth. Through a process of analysis and interpretation of this information, a human design chart, also known as a body graph, is created that outlines an individual's strength, weaknesses, and unique traits. This information can be used to guide decision-making, career choices, and personal growth, and is often seen as a valuable tool for self-discovery and self-improvement. As I said, today we are going to talk about your vehicle, its driver, and where you fit in. We start with the vehicle as this isn't a difficult concept for most people. Most of us already feel we are some sort of soul or spirit or something higher that is making use of the body. And that idea carries through into human design where your true self definitely operates through a vehicle. And just like a car, your vehicle is entirely mechanical. It responds in very specific ways to every influence according to its programming. And in my view, this vehicle was chosen specifically because it was programmed to carry out your unique purpose, which means that life is perhaps not as complicated as we think it is. If we can keep the vehicle in good order and honor the direction it's trying to take us, we are going to be in great shape. The challenge that many of us have, though, is that we don't understand the vehicle, as if we are missing its instruction manual. But the truth is, at the moment of birth, we all receive this manual. At birth, subatomical particles called neutrinos imprint the body with how it uniquely operates and what it's here to do. The Sun is the primary source of these neutrinos. These neutrinos, by the way, are known by science, They do have mass and carry information. They are about one millionth of the mass of one proton, so they can pass through any atomic barrier without resistance. Countless neutrinos are passing through the Earth all the time. So, your vehicle absolutely comes with a manual embedded right into it. Until recently, however, almost no one knew how to decode this information. No one knew how to read the manual. This is where human design comes in. It gives us the decode instructions so we can understand how our vehicle works in a very mechanical way, much like understanding a car or how other machines operate. Now, I mentioned that your vehicle comes with its own driver and that you are not the driver. We will talk later about who you are and what you are meant to be doing. But your driver is something called the magnetic monopole. I don't know if you ever watched a show called Young Sheldon. It is a story of a gifted young boy who loves science. In his love for science, he talks multiple times about neutrinos and the magnetic monopole. It cracks me up every time I watch it. The show is set in the 80s and neutrinos were known at the time, but it wasn't until 2015 that it was proven they had mass. And magnetic monopoles have been discussed, in theory, for more than hundred years, but it looks like they may have finally been measured just in 2023. When Ra received his information, it was also in the late 80s, and these details hadn't yet been proven. Magnetic monopoles are particles that carry a single magnetic attraction, either a north or a south pole. In human design, we have our own magnetic monopole that drives us along the trajectory of our unique fractal or geometric line. These are fancy words to say that it drives us on the correct blueprint that was set up for us. So, here we have an innate GPS that has nothing to do with the mind and knows exactly where we need to be all the time. The magnetic monopole is located in the sternum area known as the G-Center and it has two different functions. First, the magnetic monopole joins two aspects of ourselves, called the design and personality crystals, which we will talk about in future episodes. In joining them, it projects the illusion of a world around us. As a point of curiosity, This brings us right to the topic of holograms, which are formed when two lasers are focused together. Lasers are created by passing light through crystals. So, it makes me wonder if we have a similar phenomenon here. Does light pass through our design and personality crystalline type of structure, forming lasers that come together and create a hologram that we experience as a three-dimensional world? How many of you have heard the concept that the world is holographic? In any case, this is how the magnetic monopole holds together the illusion of our lives and creates the constructs that we work with. Second, the magnetic monopole also works like a navigation system. It knows where you need to go and will guide you along your correct pathway. Now, in a moment, we'll talk about how we often take control of the vehicle and send it down in the wrong pathway, ignoring our navigation system. But like any good GPS, when we turn down the wrong street, it quickly recalibrates and sends us down the next best route. In this way, even when we make mistakes, we can still course correct. This reminds me of Carlos Castaneda's books and also other traditions where the teacher would strongly hit a student between the shoulder blades, directly behind the sternum. In doing so, they would send the student into a different state of consciousness. In Castaneda's terminology, this is the location of the assemblage point. It is a point that creates or assembles reality. Pretty cool, right? This seems to me very similar to human design's magnetic monopole. Now, we understand our vehicles and drivers. Where does that leave us? Who are we in relation to all of this? And what is our job? Drum roll, please. Are you ready? We are the observer, passenger of the car. We are here to sit in the car and watch the road trip in order to gain experience. By showing you this, human design helps you to do a better job by relaxing to your proper role, allowing the vehicle and driver to get you where you're meant to be going. The mistake so many of us make is that we think we are something that we are not. So we get involved in trying to control the car and we take it to all the wrong places. How does this happen? Well, this involves our thoughts, which do not only come from us. They come from any consciousness interacting with our form and being transformed through the Ajna center in our head into thoughts. We are not the only consciousness that can interact with our form. Which is why we can have so many different types of thoughts, some which we might think of as good, some as bad, some as aligned with our goals, some not, and so on. Because of this, we end up confused and conflicted and misled when we follow our thoughts. And we don't need to. Because it is our form, not our thoughts, that has our GPS, that knows where we need to go. Just as we have good and bad choices of food, and this can help or hurt our vehicle in getting where we need to go, just as there are positive and negative people in our lives and they can speed us along our pathways or slow us down, there are also useful and harmful thoughts. But in all cases, these are external to who and what we are. Our thoughts are tools. They are not us. The observer is meant to simply be aware of our experience, to learn from it. Unfortunately, we tend to become associated with our thoughts. We think these are our thoughts or our inner voice. Maybe some of them are, but it's difficult to distinguish. So, we just think of them collectively as the real us. And since we think they are the real us, we think they should be making decisions. Yet, because of their nature, because they are so unreliable, our thoughts are the worst possible tool to make decisions from. Again, use them as tools? Yes. Use them as decision-makers? No. I know this flies in the face of all those who believe in the power of the mind. But the mind which is powerful indeed is not our thoughts. The mind, so to speak is the outer manifestation of the true self. It's awareness of this one individual life we are having. And again, the danger is when the mind and thoughts become associated, when we think of them as the same thing, or that the mind is producing those thoughts. Many esoteric authors talk about the different stages of consciousness evolution. At a certain time in our development, Consciousness was identified with the physical body, which is some referred to as the Hyperborean era. Later, it was identified with the emotional body, in the Atlantia era. And then, it was identified with the mental body, in what we call the Aryan era. To me, this might be another way of saying that our mind or consciousness became associated with the world of thought. And that's okay, perhaps that was a necessary stage in our spiritual evolution. But today, our goal is for consciousness to identify with the observer, higher self. In other words, we are meant to separate from this idea that we are our thoughts. And we are meant to know ourselves at even deeper level. Today, most of us can only conceptualize this idea of a higher self, but eventually, that will become as real for us as our thoughts are to us today. So here, of course, we are saying that you have a higher self and, in fact, are your higher self, even if you are not very conscious of this. This is the real you. But now, let's have some fun going even deeper by asking, how many yous are there? Last year, I was thinking about the observer. I had this intuitive hit that the observer was a group consciousness. As far as I know, Ra, who founded human design, never talked about it in this way, but it fed with a lot of perspectives I've come across. Human design itself talks about a new cycle beginning in 2027, at which time a new race of people, called raves, will work through group consciousness. Meanwhile, in Alice Bailey's books of Joao Kuo, there's supposed to be some sort of new revelation or cycle around 2025, and he talks about how our next step is group consciousness. Today, in my out-of-body experiences, I'm exploring so-called past lives. I say so-called because the general idea is that we incarnate in a body several times and there is a past, present, and future. However, my experience seems to show that it is not that simple. The idea of past, present and future only works in this physical reality. The way I see it is that all of these are occurring at once. I have met some other versions of myself and they don't seem to be in this historical timeline, which adds new complexity to the topic. For instance, I have met myself in the future, but I am not sure if it was on this timeline. Specifically, I was told it was July 4th, year 5. She lives in a beautiful modern house. She's one of my guides in this life. And I also met what seems to be a past self. But again, I believe these lives are all happening at the same time and exert influence in my present life. From my point of view... The Observer, or Higher Self, contains all these incarnations. Each incarnation has its own individual life and personality. But if you could directly identify with your Higher Self, you would feel they are all you. That reminds me of one of my first experiences out of the body. I was in this empty, well-lit room with white walls and a big window that I was next to. On the other side was a door. Then a man walked in through the door. He was around his studies with a long brown beard and brown hair to his shoulders. He was dressed like the man in the time of Jesus with a brown garment that went to his knees. As he walked him, he shouted, We are one! His voice was like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. In the movies, when Gandalf wanted to exert power, He would use a powerful voice that would shake everything around. It was the same effect when the man shouted to me. It was something. I was thinking, dude, relax. I kept thinking that what he said was just a general concept. We are all one. And although I believed this to be true, now I'm thinking that he was literally one of me trying to tell me that all the different me's are one. Another time when I made the command to go to my higher self while out of the body, it took me to a room and through the window I saw this huge transparent bluish lotus flower set in a beautiful blue sky. There was a small version of that lotus inside the room as well. I was trying to go outside so I could fly to this lotus flower as I understood it was a portal. I wish I could draw this for you guys. The small lotus in the room appeared on the side of a transparent vertical rectangle with only two sides at top and bottom. This means you could see directly through it, as two of its opposite sides were missing. I tried putting my arm through this opening, but there was this strong electromagnetic field within it and I could barely keep my arm inside. I had to remove it after a few seconds and confirm that it was a portal. Seeing how strong that field was, I could only imagine the power of the portal out in the sky where the larger lotus was. I felt it was showing me that I was not ready yet to cross the portal to meet my higher self. There is a barrier of my own making that I need to cross. Because of this experience, I decided that, for my next trips out of the body, I would visit past lives instead and meet myself in different ways. Now, I know that there are techniques people use to communicate with the higher self. I myself had years of training in this sort of thing. But there is are still just techniques to gather thoughts from sources you cannot verify. This is different from what I'm talking about where you are out of the body and interacting directly with various aspects of yourself. In our day-to-day lives inside our bodies, the surest way to know the direction of your higher self is to follow the direction of the body, which the observer, or the higher self, picked for your unique purpose. When you learn to follow its signs, you learn to follow the higher self. Meanwhile, within your mind, you observe this process calmly and learn from it, gather experience. This is what the Higher Self is meant to do. It is the observer. And the more you can actively play this role consciously, the more you can begin to associate with the observer, which I believe to be the next great step in spiritual evolution. So, I'm not claiming that human design will get us there, perhaps not today, but it steers us in this direction, it moves us toward this next major goal. As I was finishing writing this episode, I had one of those great confirmations. Those confirmations is what I wait for when I have those intuitive hits. I was reading a chapter called Inside the Inside from Robert Monroe's book, Ultimate Journey. And sure enough, he went through similar experiences and came to the same conclusion I just did regarding the higher self, which he calls the I there. And by the way, he got there. He was able to identify directly with his higher self. While incarnated in this physical reality, he had direct access to all the knowledge of his many selves. Can you imagine the vast amount of information you would have access to? It's like the cloud. You don't need to retain memory in the physical brain of the vast data of information but any time you need to access to it, it's there for you. So, I hope your head didn't explode with all this information and that you had some fun and hopefully got some interesting insights along the way. Remember, you can listen again if it helps you to really grasp these terms and concepts. Meanwhile, in the next episode, I'll talk about human design types, strategy and authority which are the primary tools used to correctly align you with your true self. Until next time. Thank you for joining me for this episode. If you enjoy it and would like to continue this journey, make sure to subscribe to the channel. You can also stay up to date on all my news and episodes by subscribing to my mailing list at heart healthjoy.com. Till next time, stay in joy.